0: From high atop Fibush Media World Headquarters in drippy Rochester, New York, I'm Scott Fibush and this is the Top of the Tower podcast from Fibush Media. We are brought to you by Yellow Tech, manufacturers of the Mika mic arm and monitor stand system and the IXM recording microphone. If you're a U.S. broadcaster, you might have just missed out on one of the most interesting radio conventions of the year. Radio Days North America is an offshoot of the popular Radio Days conferences in Europe and Asia, but it's brand new on this side of the ocean. It took place last week in Toronto in a crowded hotel conference area shared with its well-established sister convention, Canadian. Canadian Music Week. While we were there, we got to hear from many of Canada's top broadcasters, and we will share some of those interviews with you next week here on the podcast. But one of the convention's first major speakers came from the UK. Alled Hayden Jones is the head of the BBC's Radio 1. It's been on the air since the late 1960s with a mandate to keep changing to reach younger audiences. He had a session completely enraptured with his talk about how Radio 1 uses contests, promotions, and an always-growing cast of presenters to maintain interest from listeners. After his session, we talked about what North American broadcasters can learn from Radio One about connecting with young audiences.
1: I mean, I'd never be so presumptuous as to guess what people should do uh, over in North America. Um, My perception from the UK is that radio is more of a utility in America. Uh, We hear from labels that they're more focused on streaming and live events than they are the radio. And that's not the case in the UK. So if there was anything, all I had to do was talk about um, how the BBC and Radio 1 focus on young people. If there's any takeaways, brilliant. But I wouldn't assume to tell people how to do their jobs.
0: And the things that you do are pretty remarkable. You were talking about talent development and the way that you bring in new presenters and give them that opportunity to be on this
1: major national voice. That's pretty remarkable. Thank you. Uh, It came from... when I got the job my predecessor would say to me there's no talent there's no one around and I really struggled to believe that and I think what they were saying was there's no low hanging fruits the the agents are not offering up brand new names they're not doing the uh, A&R work for us so it actually it took us to kind of put a procedure in place that meant that we could reach new young broadcasters across the UK who may not be based in London.
0: I look at it from a North American perspective. Of course, you don't have a mandate to reach an audience for advertisers. You have funding that comes in from license fees, at least we hope for now. What What do you think broadcasters in the U.S. can learn still about trying to reach that younger audience that a lot of us has came up in the in the panel? People said, we kind of throw
1: that away here in the U.S. and Canada. It's a difficult one, admittedly. Um, The licence fee allows us to experiment a bit more, to try and work out what the audience would like when they don't realise at this point what it is they want. And actually, we can try several things. And there's quite a good ecosystem in the UK where commercial radio don't need to experiment as much. They allow the BBC to take these experiments and then they will adopt some of the more successful strategies that we've taken on. And that's totally fine. That's the ecosystem in the UK. It's a difficult one for North America, but there's nothing wrong with having more personality in our presenters on radio so that it's not just a utility of what do I need to know, what sport, what news, but also more about the personalities. You've got some of the most legendary, biggest names in radio, so the names are there. They're just not aimed at young people in the same way that we focus on young people in the UK. I imagine that's because they haven't got the big money like a 25 to 44 age group does, but I'm pretty sure there's a middle ground somewhere.
0: And you find a way to promote it. You talked about this contest or this promotion with the puzzle pieces. Tell me a little bit more about that. So
1: the idea was that what we wanted to avoid is Radio 1 just being something that's on in the background 24-7 all year long, which means you can just dip in or dip out or leave Radio 1 and not worry about what's happened. So we wanted to create event radio. So we've built up a few creative projects across the year that means you get hooked into it. Something out of the ordinary has happened, and you just want to hear how it completes or how it finishes, and that becomes sticky radio, event radio, get people talking about it. And we do two or three of them a year, and they're, they're growing in success every year, which we're very proud of.
0: I know you're short on time. I want to ask you a little bit about connecting with today's audience of that age. Where are they listening? Are they on FM? Are they on DAB? Where else are they finding you now?
1: In the UK, it's pretty mad. Only up to the pandemic um, was... uh, Let me start that round. Up until the pandemic... About three-quarters of the young audiences that listen to Radio 1 actually listened on FM. And that's because the age of the cars for younger audiences are the older ones. They haven't got the the, the money to buy the the high-tech dashboards. Um, Since the pandemic, there's been a shift, and we're just under half on FM. But half FM, half digital, that's quite... it, 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 It... it's counterintuitive because most people think that young people jump on tech early but money is a factor so actually um we uh, like i hear that norway turned fm off a couple of years ago and their youth numbers for radio plummeted when they did it so i think it's about preparing for the future being future focused and make sure that the technologies are in place but not jumping too soon because that's where the audiences are
0: So does that mean still reaching them linearly on DAB and streaming, or is it going beyond that now
1: to completely nonlinear platforms? For me, it's everything. So it's about saying FM, DAB and online are there. You've got to know where live is really important. But live is only going to do so much. If I'm having a dinner party at home and I turn on my station, on a Monday night or a Sunday night, it's going to be Indian rock. Not great for the dinner kind of playlist. So I could go to Spotify and Apple Music or... The BBC, we now under Radio 1, will offer uh, relaxed programs and chill-out programs and different mixes so that we can supply live, but also the brand can do on-demand programming as well as on-demand speech through podcasts. And actually, it's about meeting moods and different occasions with our brands. It's a remarkable thing. I am deeply envious looking at it from this side of the pond. Thank you very much.
0: My conversation with Alan Hayden-Jones, the head of BBC's Radio 1 at Radio Days North America in Canada last week. There was also lots of hard data at that Radio Days North America conference, and when you're looking for research, one of the names that should come to mind is Coleman Insights. Warren Kurtzman is Coleman's president. He's been a long time friend of the column and of the website. I got a chance to talk to him after one of his presentations, and he was talking about how to make things work these days with PPM ratings, how to brand your station these days in a way to stand out. And I asked him what U.S. broadcasters might have been missing if they didn't come up to Toronto for this convention.
2: Oh, I think this is a fabulous uh, conference. In fact, uh, we're going to have a edition of our Tuesdays with Coleman blog next week talking about why Americans uh, should come up here for Radio Days North America. Um, there's an energy and an enthusiasm here that is more focused on, like, how do we move forward as opposed to, um, you know, woe is me and, you know, all the things that we can easily say that's negative about the medium. So uh, (laughs) um, I would absolutely recommend that people come up to this conference next year. I'll be here. That's for sure. I will be back as well. It's been interesting
0: just seeing, you know, how the other sides of things do this. I just was over at the other panel on Radio Player and the idea that the rest of the world can get together and say, here's going to be this one place that people can go and get all the radio stations on whatever device they're on. You just had your panel in here on branding. What should people be thinking about going forward that if they weren't up here that they should have taken away if they were?
2: Well, I think that you can find new ideas in lots of unexpected places. Um, I'm, I, I'm uh, blessed with the fact that I get to come up to Canada on a regular basis and do a lot of work here and go to other countries as well. Um, I think that... If you have this mindset that you have all the answers and don't need to search for new ideas from other places, you're really missing out. But uh, that's a theme of all of these Radio Days conferences, is that you do get people from all over the world coming together and exchanging ideas. And I think that's very powerful.
0: And the idea that I think maybe the Canadian broadcasters have better than we do, you still have to invest
2: in talent and you have to give them resources. Yeah, I don't think that American broadcasters don't think you should. I think there's different economic circumstances and so forth that impact those decisions. Uh, But yeah, I'd say by and large, there's still more of a commitment to talent development here. But that said, there are tons of fabulous shows that American radio continues to pump out that um, are even up here in Canada. Um, So I, I... I don't want to go as far as saying like, oh, Canadians have figured this out and Americans are screwing it up, but I think we can all learn from each other that you know, talent is a very important part of you know what radio can deliver to consumers that distinguishes it from other audio platforms. Some people will call it doom and
0: gloom. Some people will call it realism. You are the experts on research, obviously, at Coleman realistically in terms of younger audiences finding something that we can still define as radio, where are we right now? What are the next few years going to bring?
2: Well, I don't know if I'm feel qualified to predict the future. Um, but the reality is that younger consumers are not connecting with traditional over the air radio like our generation did and generations in between our generation and the current young generation. Um, I think one of the biggest issues we have is the lack of external marketing commitment. The radio industry, particularly in the United States, stopped advertising and marketing their radio stations at the absolute worst time while other audio choices were emerging. And so our brands are just not as top of mind with young people. It's not even that they have negative perceptions necessarily. They just have no perceptions. They don't know we exist. They don't know what we can offer. We don't know what they don't know what benefits they can get from listening. Now, there are exceptions. I mean, one of the My favorite examples is The Breakfast Club, which, you know, really connects with young people, and there are other shows that do that. Um, But by and large, our industry is not marketing to young people and needs to figure out that it's not about just putting content on that's going to appeal to them, but also developing brands that young people want to connect with.
0: Marketing, obviously, is not just, let's put a billboard on the side of the QEW or whatever. It's social, it's viral, it's TikTok.
2: Yeah, it's got to be multi-platform. I mean, you can't just run TV ads anymore because most young people don't listen, don't watch linear TV. Um, so yeah, you have to be a little bit more creative with how you use marketing, but let's start with allocating some budget just to do external marketing. And then, then we'll worry about how we actually execute it. A good thought. Warren Kurtzman. Thanks. Thank you.
0: Warren Kurtzman, the president of Coleman Insights. Always good to hear from him here on the Top of the Tower podcast. That about does it for this week's edition. Again, we are brought to you by YellowTech, makers of the Mika mic arm and uh, monitor stand system and the ixm recording microphone which you're hearing me on right now much more top of the tower podcast coming up next week as we bring you some of the canadian broadcasters who are presenting to their home audience at radio days north america last week in toronto if there's something you'd like to hear about on the podcast drop me a line or comment on the web section of the podcast we'll be right back with you next week i'm scott feibush from Fibush media thanks for listening